Hi, everybody. It's Vincent from the uh, Right Report. Um, joining me is Dan. Hey, guys. And together we're going to be doing a weekly draft podcast called The Great British Drafting Show, um, where we're going to look position by position um, at the 2019 draft class from a Panthers perspective with who they might draft and what would make sense in terms of draft strategy. Um, we did record a pilot, um, but the sound quality wasn't great. Um, and so we decided to release it anyway, but we thought we'd do this little quick explainer to say that, you know, we're sorry the sound quality isn't great. We have hopefully fixed it for future episodes, but we we, we hope you enjoy it anyway. Uh, Dan, do you have anything to say? Yeah, the uh, the gods have blessed me with a new mic, so there shouldn't be a problem going forward. Uh, we think there's good content in this week's episode, so please do give it a listen. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this week's episode is sort of looking through the Panthers roster as it stands right now and where the Panthers' needs are and what we think about some of the questions uh, that the Panthers will be facing. Uh, so hopefully give that a listen. Hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back next weekend, I think, starting with the wide receivers, where we'll go through the big board that will also be going up on the Riot Report um, and some of the players that both will be profiled on the Riot Report and also some other guys that we have some thoughts on and and how also we'll look at how we go about analysing players, but also our thoughts on the draft class and, and where we might disagree with some of the other um, NFL analysts. So hopefully give that a listen. Um, bye from me. Yep, bye from me too. Cheers in. Hello, I'm Dan Cresso, and welcome to Scout Camp 2019 Draft Podcast, a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Awful Carolina. Joining me today, as will be every week, is Vincent Richardson, draft analyst for the Riot Report. Hello. Hey. Uh, this weekly podcast will focus on the NFL draft from a Panthers perspective. Vincent and I will discuss draft prospects, who we think the Panthers should draft, and what we think they will do. Will supplement the positional big boards and player profiles that will be published on the right report uh, to give some added depth and context. Now, this episode will be a bit different as we'll look over the Panthers roster as it currently stands, look at what they have and what might change, and where they need to improve in 2019. Um, so, let's kick things off with quarterbacks. Obviously, the main uncertainty hanging over the Panthers offseason is Cam Newton's injury status. Yeah. If he does this part of next season, Vincent, do you think the Panthers are well-stocked to deal with it? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things where it would depend how much time he's going to miss and and you know whether you think that that means they have to still compete or whether it's just a matter of getting through the season. I think the two guys who they've got on the roster, you know, Heineke and, and Allen, looked okay in what they played at the end of the season. But you know this team is not going to make the playoffs with either of those guys at quarterback. And if Cam's going to miss more than a week or two you either have to accept it's a lost season or you have to bring someone else in. So uh, it, would, it would depend on what your ambitions are. But no, they're not going to make the playoffs without Cam Newton right now. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really the major thing that sort of determines how the Panthers go with this offseason. Uh, because if, if Cam's healthy, then you know the Panthers can be a contender. Uh, without him, then it's pretty hard to find the sort of backup quarterback uh, on the cheap who's uh, you know better than Heineke and Allen. Um, and they didn't necessarily impress last season either, did they? When they did no, play, I mean, Alan, Alan was okay against the Saints. I mean, he flashed more than he necessarily sort of showed he's ready. But the O line fell apart as well, which didn't help in those last yeah. couple of games. I, I think the 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 issue they'll have is that if they want someone to come in and contribute immediately, which is sort of the Cam Newton not being ready week one yeah. situation, it that's probably going to have to be done through free agency. Whereas if they're sort of more concerned about Cam Newton long term, that's probably more of a draft 
sort of uh, option. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they approach those two. But if 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 they're not sure Cam Newton's going to be ready for week one, which I think is probably a healthy attitude to take, that's probably going to mean free agency in some form, whether that's sort of a low value guy or more of a commitment. But you, you, you'd be foolish to rely on getting a week one starter in the draft. Uh, uh, yeah, and you, you sort of hinted at it here, but do you think the Panthers need to start looking at what the future might look like beyond uh, Cam Newton? You know, uh, he's got this shoulder injury, he's, he's 29. Um, should they start looking at drafting a quarterback, perhaps? I mean, I wouldn't be against the idea of drafting a quarterback, but I think that would have to be sort of something on day three as a, as a value investment rather than something that you're really considering going into the draft. I mean, yes, Cam Newton's shoulder has been an issue in the last few years, but it's, as Andrew Luck has shown, that's not something that is necessarily career-ending. And moving on from a quarterback that can make you a contender is a, is a serious commitment. And I think that's that's something they'll kind of need to be a bit hesitant about about leaping fully into as a concept. Okay. And uh, Heineke's contract's expiring this year. Do you think yeah. the Panthers bring him back? I think so. I think I don't know whether they bring him back to the 53 that eventually comes out in September, but I don't think the value on him is so high that you can't bring him back for training camp. I, I think he's, he, there's quite a number of people the Panthers have like that where it's going to be they're going to be back, but that doesn't mean they're going to be in the ro- on the roster starting week one. Okay. Uh, should we move on to running backs now? Yeah, let's uh, do we've that. got lots of positions to look at. <laughs> Um, so McCaffrey, great season last year, over a thousand yards rushing. Obviously, a great receiving talent, um, and he ran at five yards carry. Um, do you anticipate him being the workhorse back next year that he was this year? Do you anticipate the Panthers giving him the same number of carries as they did the previous year? Um, I think probably not the same number. I would have thought. I mean, like Ron Rivera spoke late on in the season about how they probably do need to reduce his workload. Um, uh, it'll be hard, interesting to see how they do that in terms of whether they, they decrease his load more as a receiver or as a, as a, a rusher. But, I mean, the amount of touches he had last season is, is is not a workload that any running back has shown they're able to handle on a consistent basis without getting hurt. Uh, and when you were then so dependent on that player in terms of producing on the ground and through the air, if you then did lose him, that would completely wreck the offense. So I think if if the Panthers want to compete with any consistency, they're going to need at least some degree of depth at running back that allows him to take some workload off McCaffrey and allow him to be elite for 75% of the snaps rather than being elite for 75% of the snaps and then just there for the other 25% where he's, I mean, his fitness is obviously really impressive, but if, if he gets hurt right now, the Panthers are in a real mess. So I think having someone who can split some carries with him is, is, is almost a certainty at this point in terms of long-term success. Yeah. I think the, the good news for the Panthers is that um, it is possible to find running backs late in a draft who can contribute from day one. Yeah. Know, running backs are sort of position where uh, players do peak earlier than other positions, and uh, you can have like you know twenty-three year olds uh, contribute regularly. Uh, if we look at the other, if we look at uh, the rest of the, the running back uh, room, mm-hmm. um, you've got a bunch of kind of older guys whose contracts are expiring this yeah. summer um, and didn't really have lots of carries last year. Uh, do you think the Panthers will keep any of them? So I'm talking about like Fuzzy Whitaker, Artis Payne, Kendron yeah. Barner. Um, I think they'll probably keep some of them. I mean, Cadet and Barner play pretty much exactly, and, and Fuzzy Whitaker all play pretty much exactly the same scat back role. So you'd have thought one of them's probably back, maybe two for training camp, but whether they make the final roster is, is hard to say. I think Artis Payne's an odd one, and I think he's actually a pretty good running back, but he just makes very little sense paired with McCaffrey. 
Um, there's there's very little that artist paint offers you that, that McCaffrey doesn't. He doesn't give you a really sort of downhill inside runner that you would would suit someone like McCaffrey as a partner, and he isn't going to give you anything as a, a pass protector or a sort of a, a red zone running back that McCaffrey doesn't. So I think artist paint I think gets a job somewhere, but I think his time in Carolina is probably over. Okay, um, and how likely do you think the Panthers will go for a running back in free agency as opposed to? Uh, looking to the draft to get one, or do they do both? Uh, I think they could do both. I mean, it depends what you mean by going in free agency. I think it, they'd be fools to start throwing money at Le'Veon Bell or someone like that, but yeah. this is actually a really deep running back free agency class. Uh, okay. And if you're looking at someone like Alfred Morris for, you know, peanuts effectively, uh, what that then means is you don't have to draft someone. So I think, it, you know, if someone like that's still around for under a million dollars a year for a short-term contract, I think that would make some sense in terms of at least papering over the cracks before the draft. Okay. Um, let's move on to tight ends now. Okay. Um, Olsen, foot injury at the end of the year. He is getting quite old now. He's 33. Um, Ian Thomas seems to have had somewhat of a decent rookie season, not spectacular. Yeah. Um, how do you see that position group uh, going into next year? I think it's actually one of the hardest ones to judge in that Olsen clearly isn't the player he once was, but I also think he's not without value and the question then becomes how much are you going to get out of him next year because if he's healthy then it's a really nice piece to have as part of your offense but he's now got injured both the last two seasons and relying on him being the guy down for down suggests you know probably isn't the best idea and then the issue is is Ian Thomas ready to step in and fill that gap and whilst he did show a lot of nice things this season as a you know he was an incredibly raw rookie coming out of Indiana there there's still probably some concern that he's not ready to be the guy himself either. And then I think, I mean, if you could find some way of building a rotation of Thomas and Olsen with maybe a third wheel in there, just in case Olsen goes down so that you don't then have to lump it all on Thomas. I mean, that, that would possibly be a decent idea. I don't know whether that is Chris Manhurts or not. That'd be something to be seen, but it's, it's one of those things where it's probably no longer Olsen's, job and it's probably not quite yet thomas's job either and so it'll probably be somewhat split between them and maybe someone else as well yeah um i think if you have a, a healthy olsen who's playing uh playing well then if you have cam newton cam newton likes throwing to olsen but even if you have uh, a quarterback who's a bit less experienced having a sort of savvy tight end uh, who knows how to get open can be very useful um, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. helps in your passing game and takes a bit of a load off McCaffrey as well in terms of those kind of like short to intermediate routes. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's probably no longer the guy who's going to be stretching the field, but he is still valuable in that sort of 10 to 15 yard range. Yeah. Uh, do you want to comment on anyone else when it comes to the tight ends? Or you have um, I think I've just got the brief comment I've got is just yeah. about, the, I mean, I know when, when Olsen went down, people were you know, surprised that Ian Thomas appeared to jump from the number three tight end to the number one tight end. But that was largely because Manhurts was just stuck in this blocking role. And I think it will be interesting to see whether the Panthers continue to keep both Manhurts and Armour going forward in that they both essentially are specialist blockers at this stage. And whilst they do also contribute on special teams and stuff like that, it's it's 2019 and having two specialist blockers on an offence is 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 quite hard to justify. And it might it might come down to the Panthers having to pick between one of them and making one of them do both blocking roles rather than having two guys just to block. Yeah. But I, that, that's probably more of a minor concern than some major part of the offence. Yeah. I imagine if uh, if both of them stay, that might be a signal of intent in terms of how uh, willing the Panthers are to run the ball next year. 
Yes, yeah, it might be. If Cam Newton is, particularly if Cam Newton isn't back, it might be a signal that maybe we're going to see quite a lot of ground and pound. Yeah. Um, wide receivers next. Yeah. Uh, DJ Moore, uh, pretty solid rookie year. Yeah, yeah, um, it was good. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you've got actually some depth when it comes to uh, the wide receiver position group. Um, yeah. You know, big question mark over Devin Funchess, his contract's expiring this year. Yeah, I think um, he's, he's probably gone, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's, just, I, it's one of those things where he's not. I don't think he's a bad player, but the amount of money that has been suggested that he's likely to get in free agency, unless he's willing to take a massive pay cut, I, yeah. I, he, like I've seen like nine million. Oh, I've, I've seen. About like I've seen. I've seen bigger than that. I've seen sort of okay. twelve, thirteen, fourteen million. You know, yeah, that's, it's that's not quite rich for funches. That, that that's that's elite wide receiver money, and he's not yeah. that good. Yeah, um, but he is of a certain type that you don't really have elsewhere on a roster. No, that's a true. kind of big-bodied uh, red zone threat. Yeah, no, um, I, th- I think, I th- yeah. I th- yeah, I, th- I think that's that's definitely true. And if if no, if 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 he does leave, I think that is where the Panthers are going to have to have a real think about what they do in terms of adding someone either low value free agent to the draft just to get them those you know in the red zone who can they can stick out wide and work those outside routes. Okay, do you think they keep Tory Smith? Uh, he's on quite a large salary, but none of it is guaranteed, and or none of it left is guaranteed, and he hasn't really had a good year. No, I. I... <sighs> It's one of those things where if they kept him, I wouldn't be totally shocked because I think they do they do value what he does from a leadership point of view, and he isn't completely useless as a receiver. But that's a lot of money. Five million dollars is a lot of money, um, and particularly if you if you know he's going to be at best the number four wide receiver next year, and could probably depending on what happens in the draft and free agency be as low as their number five or six guy. And you can't pay your number five receiver five million dollars a year. Um, I think if they did cut him, they would be interested in bringing him back for less money. But I think it would be hard to justify spending $5 million on a depth receiver at this point. Yeah, that, that just seems to be the smart thing to do. Yeah. Uh, what about Damier Bird? Because um, his contract is expiring as well. Uh, obviously, he got injured last year. Um, are you a fan? I, I, I do like him. I think he does some nice things. I Again, I think he's in the group of guys who I think they bring back probably because they don't have to pay much money to do so. And if he makes the roster, then great. But if he doesn't, then they don't lose anything. I think he's an exclusive rights free agent or a restricted free agent. I can't totally remember. But I think that means you know they're not going to have to spend more than you know a few hundred thousand, maybe you know $700,000 to bring him back. Yeah. And uh, you know, given that receivers get hurt, it's useful to have depth in the training camp, and he's probably the upper tier of guys who are on the bubble at receiver. So un- unless you know someone comes and offers loads of money for a guy who's got hurt each of the last three years, it would it would probably be wise for Panthers to bring him back on the cheap. Yeah, he's a sort of a low risk pickup for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do you think the Panthers, having spent quite a lot of draft capital in the past few years, uh, will draft a wide receiver early? Once again, uh, uh, no. I mean, early. I, I think they've 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 spent you know back to back first and second round picks on on DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. I think they've and and with Jarius Wright as a free agent pickup. I think they've got to trust those three guys for now, being the top three guys. Um, they might sort of, you know add someone from sort of the fourth onwards, depending on what the value is. But uh, it would be hard to keep spending you know top three round picks on receivers year after year after year. I think at some point you've got to just stick with who you've got and play them. And if you know, there are enough questions next year that it, 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 you need to start working out where you are on some of these guys. And if they can't do it, then you start worrying about it. But I think for next year, they, they, they've got to trust that those are the guys and go from there. Yep. Uh, let's move on to a big one here, the offensive yeah. line. Um, obviously, lots of Panthers fans have questions over what's going to happen next year. 
Uh, you have the on the shambles of the contract that is Matt Khalil. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it, it's it's quite hard to really fault Matt Khalil as such, or or even I mean, obviously it's not a good contract, and the Panthers definitely overpaid. But if you look at what Nate Solder got last year with the Giants, it's you know it's an almost exactly the same kind of deal for a guy who is also not an elite left tackle. I mean, and you pay a lot of money for left tackles in this league. It's the same as quarterbacks. And whilst I think the Panthers would probably like to get Matt Khalil's contract off the books sooner rather than later, I he's not so bad that I think you have to just run away from him. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I know this is probably what, what, what you're, what you're going to get onto, but the whole sort of, do you sign Daryl Williams and, and move Moten over to left tackle and cut Khalil? But, you know, and whilst I don't think that sort of can be completely ruled out, you're probably going to have to pay Daryl Williams a decent chunk of money and he's coming off multiple injuries like Khalil was. So you're then potentially running the risk of replacing one oft injured mediocre tackle with another oft injured mediocre tackle on a similarly large deal. Probably wouldn't be quite as big, but it's not going to be a small deal. And at that point, you've got to wonder what you're really trying to achieve. You're sort of, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that's, I, I don't think you're suddenly going to see this jump in play if you replace Matt Khalil with Daryl Williams. Yeah, I, I, I sort of see it, uh, difficult for the Panthers to bring back Daryl Williams um, with Matt Khalil's contract because yeah. even if you cut Khalil you've got like 14 million dollars in uh, dead money and so that's quite a lot of money you'll have um, tied up in one position you know assuming and, Taylor Moten's in the, the other side yeah um, I mean I, the, the other thing that people have suggested is that cutting him for a post June 1st which I think would only be like a 5 million dollar cap hit this year but then you've got a 10 million dollar cap hit almost next year and that's kind of you know you're still going to pay 15 million dollars to a guy who, who's not there it's just going to be spread over two seasons yeah um, so what do you think is going to happen with uh, the tackle positions next year if you know Khalil sort of recovers do you see him starting on the left side and Moten on the right um, if, uh, yeah yeah yeah. I, I I think you'd probably have to start at that assumption. I mean, who starts on which side? I don't I don't think they're actually that different as players in terms of talent ability. I think you know, obviously Moten has proven to be healthier, at least to this point, and is has more potential for continued development than Killer does at this stage. But I, I don't think one is so much better than the other that they have to start at left tackle. Um, in terms of depth behind those guys, you then got guys like Clark and uh, Newhouse. I'd have thought they'd bring at least one of them back as depth before the draft but it, it you know if left tackles grew on trees everyone would have one and and whilst Matt Khalil is not your dream left tackle he's not that bad either and I think at some point you have to bite the bullet and just accept that that's not going to be the strength of your offensive line but if he's the worst player on your own line you're probably not doing too badly either yeah um did did Taylor Moten play left tackle in college uh, no he played right at, at Western played. Michigan because that's another question mark there. If you if you bring him over to the left hand side, um, that's just completely different sort of uh, muscle memory. Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, no, that, I think I think it's it's not such an easy fix as people seem to think. I think. Yeah. Uh, inside, uh, guessing Tri Turner is going to start at right guard. Yeah, um, I thought so. That's that's one of the sort of uh, certain things about this Panthers offensive line. Um, then, do you think? Greg Van Roten and Tyler Larson will be the starters that will bring someone else because they're sort of underwhelming when it comes to the interior offensive line. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have thought that it, going into, you know, if they had to start right now, it would either be Van Roten at left guard and Larson at centre or Van Roten at centre and Marne, um at, at left guard. Um, 
but I think that they have to add interior offensive linesmen, and I think that's probably going to have to be in the draft. This isn't a very good interior offensive line for agent class. Um, you know, as much as people are going to look for defensive end in the first round, uh, interior offensive line is about as big a need as the Panthers have right now. And it's really not clear at the moment how that's going to be fixed. But it's, it's, it's probably going to have to be early in the draft and possibly multiple early picks. Yeah. Um, and with sort of Cam Newton's uh, shoulder status, if he does play, you, you want to protect him. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't want to uh, risk your franchise, essentially, uh, by no. putting out scrubs on the offensive line. I mean, both Allen and Heineke got hurt in a basically one and a half game span playing behind this offensive line. Like, yeah. they, they, you know, they, 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 like they, this is potentially season-wreckingly bad at this stage. Um, and I think is, you know, as much as I think I'm actually quite optimistic about the Panthers, if the offensive line isn't dealt with, particularly the interior, actually, then then things could go really south quickly in 2019. Yeah. Um, do you think the, the Panthers should prioritise interior O-line versus... Uh, the tackle spots, sort of the the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints uh, strategy, or um, I, I think ideally you get someone who can start at guard in the short term and potentially move out. I think the only thing is, I mean, there has been talk that maybe the thing is, is there is definitely a place to start right now on the interior, and if you're going to spend an early draft pick, you kind of want them to start right away. Um, yeah, I, I think ideally someone who can start on the inside soon with the potential to move outside would be the ideal situation, but. In terms of short term, the interior is worse than the outside. Yeah. Now, before we move on to defense, do you have anything to say about North Turner uh, in his first year as offensive coordinator? Um, I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, I, I don't think he's been amazing. I don't think Cam's shoulder helped very much. But as much as you know, you can put the fact that they were one of the top rushing attacks in the NFL. I think they might even have been the top rushing attack. That that was not something that was evident on a down by down basis. They had some really good games and some really good periods. And there were bits where they couldn't run the ball for love nor money. And uh, I think that if, particularly if Cam's shoulder is going to be an, an issue, you ha- they have to be able to run the ball, not just well, but consistently well. And I think that's probably his biggest challenge going into year two is showing that he can, he, he can get a running attack that works most downs rather than just occasionally spectacularly. But you know, I, I think It'll be interesting to see how Cam's shoulder affects this, and obviously, you know, with another year, the offense might change a fair bit. So I'm not, I'm not going to be too down on North Turner right now. Yep, yep. Cam's okay. injury status is the big question mark for the oh, Panthers. Yeah. Um, so now on defense, uh, let's start with defensive tackles. Okay. Um, what do you think about the play of Dontari Poe last year, Vernon Butler? Um, do you think the Panthers need to upgrade at DT? Um, obviously, uh, Kawan short as well. Yeah, I think it's 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 quite a hard one in that in that the play last year obviously wasn't good from the defensive tackles at times, but the fact that they all like I mean if you look at the numbers, every single defensive line from both the end and tackle either got worse statistically or stayed the same. No one got better, yeah. um, which <laughs> given that it's not like a really old group of players suggests that there maybe there was a coaching issue and the fact that they fired their defensive line coach Freddie Hoke uh, towards the end of the season probably further supports that. I, I think it it would be easy to sort of panic and sort of say Dontari Poe's a bust of a signing, but generally when a number of proven NFL veterans in their prime regress, it suggests there's something else going on. And I think the Panthers probably do quite well to just, it's particularly a defensive tackle where they've got proven talent there just to calm down a little bit and trust that Kwan Short and Dontari Poe are the, you know, perennial pro bowlers that their resume says they are and that they're going to be elite players in 2019. And I think with Vernon Butler, I think there's a there's sort of a, a consensus amongst many Panthers fans that he's a complete bust, and I don't think that's fair. I think he's definitely a disappointment, but 
I think how people have to remember that he's a 330 pound defensive tackle. He's not, you know, a classic three tech who's going to get you know loads of sacks and flashy numbers. I mean, he, he's he's a more natural backup for Poe than he is for short. So neither of those guys are going to stand out on tape. But I think if the Panthers can use them how they, you know, have been used historically and how their talent suggests they should be used, I think in combination with Quan Short, this is actually a really good group for the Panthers and one that could, I think, bounce back very quickly from a disappointing 2018. Yeah. Uh, like you've got a lot of money tied up in in short and Poe, yeah. and given that you have fired your uh, defensive line uh, coach, it does seem the team probably thinks it's a bit more on a coach and uh, is ready to to roll with the same group of players because there is definitely talent. Uh, oh yeah, in that, yeah. In that defensive tackle uh, rotation, and another thing as well, uh, Butler. It's useful to have you know decent uh, backups at the defensive tackle position because yeah. that is something that you get a lot of rotation in. Um, yeah. it's hard to play a guy for that many snaps uh, do yeah. you want to say anything about Kyle Love because his contract's expiring uh, I think they probably bring him back I think he's another guy that you know it, obviously you know if he suddenly starts attracting sort of serious money elsewhere then you have to move on but he he does a job reasonably well he's not spectacular but does some nice things and for a million or two million dollars a year it, you know he's he's good depth value I think the same thing's true with Butler it's just other side of the coin where Butler was meant to be this star and is just quite good, and Love was meant to be just any other guy, and is actually quite good. But I think they're fairly similar talent-wise, and I think if you pay him one to two million dollars, I think that's good value. Yeah, uh, with defensive ends, um, that's a big question mark for the Panthers. Yeah, uh, you know what's going to happen to Peppers, Wes Horton, if they're yeah. leading. Uh, do you have the kind of depth to deal with that, or do you need to bring guys in either through the draft or free agency? Um, like I assume, Mario Addison is the guy in terms of uh, your defensive end rotation. but Yeah, no, I mean, Addison, Addison is probably the firm starter at one end, but there, there's, they, they, I think they definitely have to bring in somebody. I think you you need probably, if you look at the group that they have who are definitely under contract next season, I think you need probably two more guys there. I think I wouldn't be shocked if either Peppers or Horton came back. I think <sighs> Peppers certainly, if, he, if they do come back, it has to be on a deal close to what Peppers signed you know, two years ago, um, rather than the deal he had last year. I don't think you can pay either of those guys sort of five or six million dollars a year. But if you're paying one of Peppers or Horton two or three million dollars a year to be a primarily run-stopping guy, I, and it takes some pressure off you in terms of having to sign guys in the draft, then, then yeah, I think that makes some sense. But this this team needs a defensive end. Whether that, you know, in terms of big needs on this team, it's one of the sort of the three really big needs. Um, it, uh, you, know, you you can spend a lot of money in free agency trying to get a defensive end, and I you know people who want to Marcus Lawrence or Ziggy Ansa will probably be disappointed because that's money the Panthers just don't have. Yeah. But if there's a mid-tier free agent defensive end, that would make a lot of sense for the Panthers because it would just mean you don't go in the draft having to def- to draft somebody. But defensive end is is one of the biggest needs, if not the biggest need for the Panthers. Yeah. Are you uh, a believer in spending big on defensive ends in general? Um, I, I'm quite happy spending it on on star guys uh, i i think i mean the panthers just don't have the money to do it right now but yeah. it's it's one of those things where you, you know it is one of the 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 the, the game changing positions potentially but it, it, and particularly for the panthers they they can get their value out of that in terms of how they use them schematically but yeah you've got you you know it's the same thing you've got to pay stars like stars and you, you know it, it's when you start paying good players like stars that you run into run into issues uh what do you think of brian cox uh fa obada marquis haynes um do you think um, they can sort of take the step up? Yeah, I think I think it, for the Panthers, like, you've got to view them as, as very good depth pieces at this point. But I think expecting any of them 
you know the starter opposite Addison, I think is foolish. Uh, I don't think they're doing that, so that's that's not a problem. Um, I think I think Abada has continued to flash and his technique, like his technique is, is evidently improving. Sort of, if you look at the beginning of the season, the end of the season, how much progress he's made is is amazing. Um, Cox is a, a a solid player. I think he makes too many mistakes, and he has done historically. Uh, Marcus Haynes, I think, could be the second Panthers defensive end in two years to get cut following his rookie season. I, I, I know that's probably, you know, it's too early to say this for sure, but he was inactive so much last year, and when he was active, didn't really show very well. I, the Panthers clearly drafted him with a, with, a, with a plan of how to use him and just couldn't quite make it work, but I, I think they almost have to assume at this point that he's not he shows he can be during training camp, because uh, yeah. he gave them almost nothing this year. I know that, that, that's possibly a bit overcritical, but he's a fourth round pick, not a first round pick. And you can't, if, if they don't think he's good now, he will be, I think 25, he might be 26 at the start of next season. He'll as be a second 26. year player. You can't, 26, yeah, you can't, you can't keep expecting 26 year old players to suddenly start developing stuff they haven't shown. Yeah, the thing I find wild is that he's a, he's a full year older than Devin Funches. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is, it's, it's, it's nuts. I mean, uh, yeah, he, if I'm honest, he wasn't a pick I liked at the time. And I was I was willing to be proven wrong, and to this point, I, I I just haven't seen anything that makes me think he's worth investing significant time in if you've got better options around. Yeah, uh, linebackers. Um, big news is that the team aren't going to bring back Thomas Davis. Uh, what yeah. do you think of that decision? Um, I, I'm a, I'm a bit surprised that they've said it as early as they have. Possibly it's just respect to TD, but. I, 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 yeah, it's one of those things where he's clearly it's going to be Shaq Thompson and Luke Keekley are the main two guys now, and Jermaine Carter showed enough as a rookie that you think that maybe he can play that number three role. Yep. Um, if Davis did come back, it would not have been as a particularly major part of this defense, but that suggests that either they were kind of this is more of a symbolic moving on than it is just a pure football thing, or that that it became clear that their view on what his role and wage should be were just vastly far apart and were never going to be fixed. But yep. it's it's done. Um, I think Carter is presumably the number three guy. The question then is what happens behind that. But I I, I think you the decision's been made, and you just kind of have to move on at this point. Yep. Um, that sort of third linebacker spot is not really a position you want to put a lot of money in, no. given how often teams play uh, nickel and dime. Yeah. Uh, realistically, that third linebacker isn't going to see the field uh, that often. No, no, I think that's probably fair. And uh, you know, Carter as a rookie has flashed, and if yep. you know if 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 he can play eighty percent of what Thomas Davis was going to play, then you 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 take that cash saving, you stick it somewhere else. Yep. Uh, if David Mayo leaves this year, um, do the the Panthers need to pick up another guy? Um, I think if, if, yeah, if you lose both Thomas Davis and David Mayo, you do have to bring in probably somebody to, as some depth. I mean, you know, you just you have to fill the spaces with somebody. But this is you know, David Mayo. I think had his chance to show that he could stick around. Um, and and the fact that Jermaine Carter was was playing over him, sort of week four when Davis was suspended, you know Carter was taking some of Mayo's snaps, suggests that you know Mayo is at best going to be the number four linebacker, probably the number five linebacker next season if he does stay. I think he's he's going to go elsewhere. Um, and and then you, you know if, if they brought him back, it's fine. But I don't think they're going to spend a lot of assets on on linebacker depth at this point, having done so last year. Yep. Uh, backup linebackers, you always look for special teams contributions yeah. as well. That's mainly where they're going to see the field. Yeah, um, and you've got you've got guys like Andre Smith who, who've who've got potential and special teams ability. So you know they're not without talent behind those starting three guys next year. Okay, uh, moving on to cornerbacks. Yeah. Uh, if the Panthers are looking for continuity, they can get that because everyone's locked in to stay for at least next year as well. Yeah. Um, 
Panthers are in a good position with uh, Dante Jackson playing as well as he did as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, James Bradbury being okay on the other side. You've got well, two. I, I, I think Bradbury was actually genuinely quite good. Yeah. I mean, bearing in mind he was tasked with covering the number one guy week after week. Like, yeah, he did make. Yeah, he made some mistakes. He's not perfect, but he did a pretty good job of shutting down guys like Mike Thomas and and Evans last year. I mean, like you know, pe- people might malign him, but he, you know, I think him and Jackson are legitimately a good starting cornerback pair. Yeah, and they're they're making peanuts as well. Yeah, 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 which is always nice. So Panthers in a good position there. Uh, more interestingly, what happens at the nickel position? Uh, yeah, Cockrell obviously broke his leg in training camp last year. Yes, uh, and there are some question marks over who the nickelback's going to be uh, going into next year. Yeah, I mean, I actually really like Cockrell. I, I was really pleased with the signing of him. I thought he played really well in New York uh, in 2017. Um, I don't know how natural he is as a nickel. I think actually his biggest value is that when you face teams who go, you know, four wide, he can be he can take one of the outside positions and say, say you're playing Tampa Bay, and they go um, Evans, Godwin, Humphreys, and and um, uh, Jackson. Uh, he, he's he's potentially going to be the guy who takes. Godwin rather than the guy who goes inside and plays Jackson. Um, but obviously Dante Jackson can then cover Deshaun Jackson. Um, I, I, I think actually in, you know, in the modern NFL you probably actually need four legitimate corners and the question for me at least is is more about can Mundelein be trusted to take that number four guy? Can you stick him on Adam Humphreys? And if I'm honest, based on 2018-2017, I'm just, I'm not sure you can. I mean, I, I do feel sorry for Mundelein in that he was signed, he was signed when the team was very much a zone defence and he's always been primarily a zone cover corner. And they're now playing a lot of man, and that's just that's never been his skill set, and he's really struggled. Um, given that they can also save a couple of million by letting him go, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Panthers had a different fourth corner in 2019 than they did in 2018. Yeah, I think uh, Dante Jackson uh, doing as well as he did last year uh, means that the Panthers sort of have found their starting uh, two outside corners. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in generally, in terms of uh, strategy, do you think it's worth going after cornerbacks in the draft or going free agency? Um, I, I think, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, I don't believe in, in you know, particularly if you're playing a scheme like the Panthers, which isn't massively corner-focused, yep. paying guys serious money in free agency, I think is possibly a mistake. I, you know, I know Josh Norman's release got a lot of headlines and stuff, but realistically, the Panthers don't play a scheme where you can pay corners $14 million a year and be continually successful. Um, I think if there's a middle tier guy who you think can come in and play nickel for a few million dollars a year, uh, I think that's good value. I, I would, you know, I think the thing in the draft is that, that the corners are genuinely. I mean, I've talked about this past. There's articles you can go find the right report if you want to. Um, what that you know, it's really it's genuinely very hard to analyze corners effectively on a consistent basis, just because the scheme changes are so big uh, between college and the NFL. And spending, you know, particularly if it's like a number four corner. Maybe spend a late round pick, but this is not something I think the you know team should be throwing high first round picks at consistently because there's just the the learning curve is is quite steep and you get a lot of busts as a result. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the the Panthers are going to change their strategy when it comes to cornerbacks. No, you wouldn't have thought so. Uh, safety. That's, yeah, that's a big, big. Yeah, it's big, one of the uh, big needs. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Eric Reed's contracts expired. Yeah, that one well one season with the Panthers. Yeah, um, Adams as well is going to be a free agent, uh, yeah. and he's incredibly old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, I think he is the oldest DB in the NFL at this point. Yeah, uh, what do you think they do there? Um, I, I think they want to. I mean, it's been reported already that they they, they want to bring Reed back, and I think that's smart. Um, I think the question then becomes is 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 how do you use him and, and who do you pair him with? I think this year 
through necessity almost they had to play him play him deep a fair amount and yeah. i don't think that that that's that's never been his game that wasn't how he was used in san francisco that's not his skill set he is he's you know he's a box safety you've got to bring him down the line use him as a good run defender who can then drop into his own coverage and be successful there yeah. and maybe cover tight ends and stuff in man occasionally but what that means is you then need a deep safety and mike adams might have been that guy five ten years ago but definitely isn't now um <laughs> Denoris Cersei really isn't that guy. Yeah. Um, and then his question is, do you stick Rashawn Gordon in, assuming he's the start? You know, does he enter next season as the assumed starter at free safety if yeah. you sign Eric Reed, Or do you have to then go and find another safety? And if so, how do you do that? I think the thing is, if you do if you do keep Reed at, at, uh, and bring him in as a strong safety, that then makes Denoris Cersei's spot questionable because then you're, you're effectively paying, you know, I think it's the best part of $3 million in, yeah. in, in, in releasable cap for a guy who's going to play backup strong safety. I mean, that's a lot of money. Um, I think uh, what happens with Eric Reed determines a lot of what happens with everyone else. Because if if they don't sign either Adams or Reed or any other strong safety, then I think Cersei probably is the starting strong safety. And so therefore, you know, his set spot is probably safe. But you, you you probably have to pick one of Cersei Adams and, and Reed, and, and, and that person has to start a strong safety. Um, I don't think Deshaun Gordon showed... Sorry, Richard Gordon showed... Um, a huge amount as a rookie in terms of convincing you can play free safety, but the team will obviously have seen more than we have. But I think I think finding someone who can actually play that deep field safety at times is is probably one of the Panthers' biggest issues in 2019. Yep, and and finding that sort of deep free safety is an incredibly difficult thing. Yeah, no, uh, it is. for any team to do, they are a dime a dozen. Yeah, no, they 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 that that is one of the the hardest things to do. I mean. The, the one guy who's shown he can do it at elite level consistently is a free agent, but how much you pay a guy who's nearly thirty and coming off a serious injury is is another question. And do you know? Do you think that's going to make your team so much better that you then throw you know ten million dollars plus at Earl Thomas? Yeah, we'll be fun to watch though. Oh, we, oh we, yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, he is no. He's one of those things where I mean, I know I disagree with PFF over a lot of stuff, but you know, Earl, Earl Thomas's ability to play the deep field safety is historically so so valuable to everything the Seahawks did that. If you can find someone who does that and you play a scheme that needs that, it, it, it can completely transform how effective your defense is. It makes it so much easier for everyone underneath, knowing you have someone over the top who can effectively take away everything but the absolute perimeter deep throws. I mean, yeah, if the Panthers could find someone like that, I think that would that would make a huge difference to how they were able to deal. So even like the struggles with the deep ball last year, some of that was because you didn't have effective safety help over the top. Yeah, the, the, the Seahawks uh, always want to play cover free. And yeah. with old Thomas, they can, and last year they couldn't, and it yeah. showed. Yeah, I mean, it is it, actually extremely valuable. It's one of the few ways a safety can justify very high draft picks. Yep. Uh, special teams, uh, do you have anything uh, to say there? No, I, th- I think they're all back. I mean, people will complain about how much Graham Gano got paid and the fact he missed a few kicks, but he also made you know one of the longest field goals in NFL history last season uh, to win a game. I mean, you take the good with the bag. Finding kickers is hard. Releasing Gano would cost money, and as and, you know, it's 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 not a dissimilar story with things like Matt Khalil, where you could probably spend a lot of money making no improvement whatsoever. It, it, it's it's a, you know, and Pilardi's just signed a new contract, and JJ Janssen is under contract, I think. So you know, I, I can't see much changing at special teams. Mm. One thing that was uh, interesting this off season is uh, Ron Rivera saying he's going to call plays on the defensive side of the yeah. ball. Uh, what do you think that's going to mean for the the Panthers? Um, I mean, he did it for the last few games as well. I think it did show an improvement. I. I I think there were some things that weren't. I think it's not just play calling. Some of it's also about play design as well, or, or, or how you pair rush with coverage. Um, I, I don't think it's some magic plaster that solves all the defensive problems, but 
I think a lot of their problems last year were brought back by how they used the talent they had rather than what talent they did have. Um, I, you know, Ron Rivera is a good defensive play caller. Um, if if he can get the staff around him and they, you know, if they, if they can get this secondary playing well um, in combination with effective pass rush, you know, it 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 will make a big difference. You know, Washington was not was not ready to be a DC, and I think that showed. Yep. And and defense is definitely uh, the the thing that varies a lot year on year. Yeah. Uh, how good a team plays defensively, at least compared to offense. Yeah. No. It, it it's it's quite hard to be consistently excellent on defense. Yep. Okay, uh, that's all we have time for this week. Vincent, okay. do you want to say a few words about draft coverage? Uh, yes. Yeah. to go on the right report because draft yeah, season is starting. Yeah, we're, we're at, at the right report draft coverage is going to start on the 27th, I think, of January. Uh, there are going to be every week we're going to have a positional big board for, for the position of the week as well as probably two to three like player profiles. I think we're also going to look at the free agent class and where the Panthers are in each position group. Uh, that's going to start on the 27th of January the wide receivers so we'll also do a weekly podcast of this form talking through each position group and sort of fleshing out some of the ideas covered in the big boards um and hopefully you'll be along for the ride i mean you can find me on twitter at the 444 and you can find dan at uh, at dan Cresso k-r-e-s-o um yeah so we you know if you have any questions about you know stuff we've covered or or you want us to look at particular players um please twitter us and and we will try and watch at least some of the players you want us to look at. I can't promise to watch everybody, but it, but you know, we will do our best to watch as much as we can. And uh, hopefully we'll be just, you know, talking to you for weeks to come. Uh, it was a pleasure, Vincent. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure yeah. as well. And speak to you next week. Yeah. Sounds good. And uh, thank you for listening.